0: Welcome to Reality Student Ministries, and thanks for listening. We are all about learning how to live this life to the fullest, getting the most out of every day. For information on upcoming events, sermon series, and ways to connect, be sure to check us out online at reality.painsvilleag.com, as well as like our Facebook page at RSM. Now here's today's message. That video was talking about God's will and that whole idea that sometimes we all get uh, a little confused. Sometimes we get a little confused about who God is and who he's called us to be. And, and this, whole, this whole series has been about, it's called Grave Robber, it's always been about this idea that, guess what, what God did back then, he is doing Right now in you. And the miracles that we see are merely a picture of what God wants to do in our life right now. And so for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this. And we've been looking at, oh, you know, what it is uh, to follow after God wholeheartedly. And looking at these miracles of, and found in the book of John, the gospel of John, and relating that to our life. We're seeing how God, Jesus, can take ordinary, forgettable water and turn it into something extraordinary, to be used for his kingdom and his glory and to actually push him into his destiny and start that whole countdown to him leading uh, to the cross. And it all started with turning water into wine. And we see that God, Jesus did that, and it was such a powerful moment. And we're seeing that, hey, if he could do that with water, what can he do with me? That he could take me, ordinary, sometimes very forgettable, right? He could take me, and he can take you right in the place that you're at. And he can do something extraordinary because he puts you here for a reason, for a purpose. And we, I've been telling that illustration of the Legos. How many of you guys remember the Legos? Yeah, you remember the Legos that I gave? And how many of you remember, how many combinations can you get out of six Lego blocks? Anyone remember? It's over 915 million different combinations in six Lego blocks, six lego blocks and i gave each of you six lego blocks and i don't know um some of you i'm sure went back home and just like tried to figure out all the different combinations um and it's crazy it's crazy to think about that i even told our, our accountant uh today i was telling her about it and she goes that's not possible And she pulls out her calculator and she's like D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d. i go no, no it's not just flat but then you could go three-dimensional. And she's like, this is too hard. I'm like, I know, it's crazy. And what, what we got to was this idea that if we could create 915 million different combinations with Lego blocks, what can God do in our life that uh, we're made up of about six, over six different types of atoms? What can God do in our life that we're completely different than everyone else? And that God says, no, I created you for this very reason, and you're special, and you're unique, and I want to do something incredible in and through you. And so we got to realize that our God wants to take something ordinary like us, like a Lego block, and do something extraordinary, do something that blows our mind. And so we talked about that uh, the first week. Last week we discussed how uh, God's not only the God of, of every atom, but he's the God of latitude and longitude, how he, how he goes the distance for us. And we talked about prayer and the importance of prayer and that something happens when we pray that doesn't happen when we don't. And often we get frustrated because we think that when we turn uh, to Christ that instantly our life is all butterflies and rainbows and it's awesome, right? But we often find out that sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes we have to seek after God. And sometimes it takes time and effort. And we talked about the difference between effort and earning faith is not without effort but it is without earning that we don't earn our salvation but man it takes effort just like uh looking at jesus as as the uh, roman official walked several miles uphill to find jesus to say would you heal my son and jesus said yes and the man didn't say okay let me text him and find out if he actually got better um but he said okay and he believed him at his word and turned And walked away, knowing that God answered his prayer at that very moment, even though he couldn't see it, even though he didn't feel it, he didn't know it uh, by looking at it and seeing it, he knew it because he believed it, he chose to believe it. And that was a credit to him, righteousness. And we got to realize, we looked at how I hiked up the, that half dome with my dad and I was getting up there a couple of weeks ago. And how sometimes the last 400 feet to the answer to our prayer, the last 400 feet to the miracle in our life is sometimes the most difficult. and sometimes the part where we want to just turn around the most and say, you know what, I've come this far, but this is just too hard. This is just too difficult. And all of a sudden we just turn around and we miss out on the opportunity to see Jesus move in us and through us. And we ended uh, with this statement that our prayer would be that our audacity needs to meet God's capacity. Our audacity in our prayers... Our audacity in the conversations that we have, in the lifestyle that we we live, in everything that we do, needs to meet God's capacity because we serve a huge God that could do immeasurably more than we could ever hope for, dream of, or imagine. And we need to understand that. And so our audacity needs to meet God's capacity because he is bigger than anything that we could ever hope for. And um, I want to start tonight by telling them about a story. In San Francisco, a couple years ago, there was a school district, right? Awesome. Everyone loves school, right? Who loves school? Yay! Right? Okay. You guys are awesome. So everyone uh, in this school district, San Francisco, they pulled in and they said, hey, you three teachers are the best three teachers we have. In all the school districts, you're the best three teachers that we have, and guess what? Not only that, we are giving you guys the highest IQ, the 90 of the top IQ students, the smartest students we have in this school district, and together we want, in one year, school year, we want to see how much they can learn. Because we put them with the best teachers, with the best students, and we want to do this experiment to see how much can they learn when they are just going at it all. And so, I mean, both sides were like, okay, whoo, yeah, we're the best of the best. We can do this, right? And so it was, it was one of those things that all year they, they went after and went after. And, and at the end of the year, uh, they took some testing, and they found out that these students were 20 to 30% higher or farther along than the rest of the entire school district to see that, oh, my goodness, look how much these students have learned. They have learned 20 to 30% more than the rest of the students. Man, that is incredible. And so uh, the teachers were feeling pretty good look at what, what we could do. And so they, uh, the principal called a man and was like, hey, oh, man, that was a great experiment. They're like, yeah, it was. Did you see what we did? He's like, yeah, but I have a confession to make. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, those, those actually weren't the, the smartest kids that we had, and they're like, "Oh, well, that's even better." That we he just goes, "Yeah, they're actually the run of the mill. They're kind of average, you know, C, B plus students. Um, they're kind of just average." And and so all of a sudden they're like, "Wow, that, how great of a teacher am I? Like, I am the best of the best. If I could take these average, run of the mill students and bring them up uh, twenty to thirty percent better than um, the rest of the students in terms of learning," and he goes, "I got another confession to make. You guys." aren't really the, our best teachers actually either. He goes, you're kind of just the first three that we pulled out of this giant hat that we had. And, every, and they are just like, oh. And so here's the, here's the moral of the story, is you get what you expect. You get what you expect. And here's, here's the thing, you can fill this in. Our expectations largely decide what our life will be. Our expectations largely decide what our life will be. Charles Spurgeon, this crazy awesome pastor, and it, he's a, a picture of him is on your notebook, or on your uh, little note sheet there under your seat. Uh, he, he stated this. He says, you might not get what you want, but you will always get what you expect. You might not get what you want, but you will always get what you expect. And we're talking tonight about the power of expectations. And another word for expectations is hope. Talk about hope. Our hope is in you our hope what are you hoping for because you get what you expect if you're expecting that man you know what I'm just gonna get sick like everyone else you know what? I'm not I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a failure of a student I'm not gonna do very well guess what you're never going to be an A plus student then you know I'm, I'm just not, I'm stuck in this thing I'm stuck I just hate my life right now when I get older I'm sure it will get better however You're going to always be saying that. I hate my life right now. When I get older, I'm sure it's going to get better. You're going to be saying that when you're 80, right? Because you get what you expect. We're going to look at a story in John that's going to talk about expectations and how we need to, big word, sanctify. means to make holy our expectations. And when we sanctify our expectations to make holy, to give them over to God, all of a sudden something incredible can happen. And so we look at this miracle that Jesus did. It's in John 5, verse 1. We'll we'll pick it up there. It says this. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew. And I'm going to screw it up just by the way. I've tried it. I've practiced it. I've heard it. I still can't say it. Uh, Bethsaith, Bethsaith, uh, which has five porticos. In, In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. All right, so check this. This pool that they're going to, crazy awesome pool, um, it was this thing that people believed. uh, It was this pool where um, a lot of sick people went. And this is why a bunch of sick people went, because all of a sudden, like once in a blue moon, like every once in a while, there's this water that started to stir like magically. Right? And the first person in it, then all of a sudden, like, got healed of whatever disease. It would be like going to the outdoor Y, right? Uh, some of you guys are like, I love the outdoor Y. You're not going to like it if there's, like, just hospital beds, like, lining all of, all of them. And then all of a sudden, everyone's just waiting. And then they, I see a bubble. And they just, like, flip the person in and go, go. Like, all the hospital beds go into the into the pool. They're like, go, go, did you get it? Did you get it? I won. I was the first one in. I got healed, right? It, it was kind of like that. Like, a bunch of people just lining up. You're like, this would be crazy, right? Uh, lining up, and they're just, like, waiting and waiting. And, oh, get I got to get it. And it's just like, I think of this as, this has to be, like, a horrible sight. Like, people that are lame and blind and, like, trying to get in the water first. They're like, go, go, <laughs> go. It's like this is awful to think about when you start to think about all these horrible, like these sick people, these blind people, these lame people trying to fight over each other, trying to get into this pool to get healed. Why? Because they were convinced that if I got to the water first, I would, I would be healed. And all of a sudden we see here that there's a man that has uh, been ill for 38 years. So you can kind of imagine that he probably went to this pool, like, every day, waiting to get into the water first. That's a lot of fighting. Like, that's a long time, right? How many of you guys are, like, tired of school already? Like, some of you guys have senioritis, and you're, like, eighth graders. You're like, I'm so done, right? It's ridiculous. Um, and But 38 years he's, he's been ill. He's been trying to get to here. And Jesus comes along, and he comes up. And he says, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And, I, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. At once the man was made well and he took up his mat and began to walk. All right, so this whole pool thing, let's get back to this. That was stirred by angels. It was actually, um, scholars say that it was actually fed by a kind of like a hot spring. So it was kind of just bubbles that kind of like, right? And all of a sudden, but everyone like was oh, that's special. Right? Let's get in it. And so they, they tried to get in it and stuff. And here's the thing. This false assumption of the special water all of a sudden led to false hope led to false expectations. Notice when Jesus said, hey, do you want to be made well? The guy didn't say yes or no. He said, there's no way I can get into the pool. There's no way that I can get in there. There's no hope for me. I can't, by the time I get there, somebody else is already in there. There's no hope for me. And so this false assumption that that was the only way that he could get healed led to this false hope that I'm just, I'm never going to do it. And so, this false expectations. You ever hear of a, a superstition, or know somebody that's superstitious about some things? All right. So sometimes we do it, and we don't even realize it. Um, we, we're superstitious because we think that all of a sudden the superstition will like invoke the supernatural. Like, if I'm superstitious, if I do this, God has to do this. And so, like, I'm uh, one thing that I do that I don't even I didn't even realize was every time I get on a plane. I'm walking down the the jetway or whatever. Before I get on the plane, I always touch the outside of the plane, right where it says Wi-Fi, which I found was really funny. On on the outside of a lot of these Southwest planes where it says Wi-Fi, people have drawn smiley faces on the plane. I'm just thinking that's really funny because now you're like 37 feet up and your artwork is 37,000 feet in the air. Anyways, um, so I touch the outside and I go... God don't let there be turbulence Then I walk in and I have to do that I have to do it. I have to touch the outside like I will fight I'll drop my child and I'll touch it just to make sure that I can do it the other thing that I do there's a couple things when I go flying you guys if you ever go on a mission trip or flying with me you're gonna be like he's kind of crazy right um and Lauren still makes fun of me I do two things I whenever I sit down I always get my friend anyone have a friend? It's the throw-up bag that's in the seat back pocket in front of you because I know that if I find it, that means I won't throw up because I used to get really sick when I was a kid. And, I mean, I've flown everywhere. I've flown to Germany and South Korea and all over the place, and, yeah, I I still, like, get nervous flying. Uh, Especially as a kid, I was always uh, nervous flying. So if I find the throw-up bag this little white paper sack, I stick it in the front, in front of SkyMall, in front of the emergency, uh, whatever it is, and so I just make sure, okay. And if I don't have it, I go over and I steal it from somebody else and I stick it in my seat. And then the other thing that I do is I have to help the pilot take off. The plane cannot take off unless I help it. I'm convinced of it. My mother instilled it when I was about Obadiah's age, about four years old. And so I have to help the pilot take off. You know how I do that? No matter where I am, as an adult, 29 years old, I can be alone. It doesn't matter. I don't care. And people point and they stare and they laugh at me. I have to sit there. And when we start, when we turn and we start going faster, I go. Because I'm Flintstone and I'm helping him go faster down the runway. And I do this every time. Every time without fail. And Lauren like almost refuses to sit next to me because she's like, I don't want to be next to you right now. And I'm like, Obadiah, you should do this. And Obadiah's like, You're so weird. Like, oh. Alright. So those are a couple of superstitions. Like some other superstitions you might know, like baseball players, the Royals, oh man, they're gonna they're gonna take the World Series. I know it. It's gonna be awesome. But a superstition that baseball players have is if you ever watch this, they don't step on the foul line, which is the line that goes from home base to you know, uh, first base and on and, and third base and on. And it's bad luck if during, like, switching innings, if you step on that white line. And so you'll see some guys, they'll walk and they'll, like, what are you doing? Because it's bad luck for some reason. And they have all sorts of crazy stuff like that. You, like, you've heard, uh, hey, don't see the bride before the ceremony. Like, ooh, that's bad luck. If you see the bride before the wedding ceremony, um, don't let a black cat cross your path, which is funny because we used to own a black cat. Then he ran away, so I have no idea where it is. Um, don't walk under the ladder and all this stuff. And so all of a sudden, these superstitions that we do that, okay, i got to be good, i got to do this, I can't do this, I can't. Whew, okay, All these things that we think somehow like invoke the supernatural to take care of us and, and do that sort of thing. This guy was an invalid. He was lame, he, but his most debilitating handicap was false belief because he had a false hope thinking that the only way that he could get healed is getting into that pool. And some of us, myself included, have a false belief that, God, the only way that you are going to work in my life is by doing this. The only way that I'm going to make a difference in my life is when I get completely rid of all the sin in my life. The only way that I'm going to make a difference for you, God, is when I finally get on the right track. When I finally can, can get in with the popular kids. When I finally have enough gumption to go there or I get enough money to do this. And all of a sudden, we think that the only way that God could ever use us is when we get to a certain point, And we're trying to figure out, all right, God, I need to get your will. I just need to figure out my own life. But God's saying, no, no, no. You might not be where you want to be. Remember we said this last week, but I want to use you right where you are. I want to use you right where you are. And Jesus asked him, "Do you want to be made well?" And the guy didn't even uh answer yes or no. Verse 7 says, "Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred." And so we got to we got to have people I love Jesus. It's kind of he comes up and he's like, "Well, how is that working for you?" It's you get this like you ever have people like that you're like i'm trying all these things and then they come up and they're like yeah that sucks how's that working out for you it doesn't look like it's going well and you get the sense that that's kind of like jesus was kind of staring at them like okay um that really wasn't my question you didn't answer it right and so uh you know we got to realize god what are you wanting to do in my life because sometimes we try to figure it out on our own there's this guy that I knew, a pastor that uh, he was like, man, I just wish I had more energy. Just wish I had more energy. I was talking to his counselor, and he's like, yeah, I just wish I had more energy. And the counselor was like, well, what time did you wake up this morning? Like five o'clock, and, and I went and worked out, and then I came straight here. Um, oh, so you didn't have breakfast? No, I didn't have breakfast. And then you know we've been doing this thing, and he's like, yeah, I noticed that when we went for lunch, what'd you go do? Yeah, I went for uh, I went for a run. You know, I I run about three to four miles. Oh, okay. And so yeah, I came right here. So you didn't eat anything? No, no. But man, I just wish I had more energy. I just don't understand. Oh, I think it might be a spiritual thing. He's like, I think it's because you haven't eaten anything. And the guy was like, oh. Because sometimes we think that, no, 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 it's, we have this idea of what it is that we need to accomplish. No, God can use me. God will use me in my school when I stop doing this, when I get in with the in crowd, when I get out of this crowd, when I stop uh, looking at the things that I'm looking at, saying the things that I'm saying, thinking the things that I'm thinking. When I finally get rid of that and I feel like I'm a good person, then God will use me. And God's saying, how's that working out for you, Right? How's that working out for you? The lame man saw only one way to get healed. And our expectations often either box God in or keep God out. Our expectations and our false hope often box God in. No, no, God, if you're going to use me or, or work in through me, you've got to work through this little method, right? I used to, like, as a kid, God, if you're real, would you just make the leaves over there rustle? I just need to know. Oh, okay, I saw a little ruffle, right? And so all of a sudden, like, we're trying to invoke God, and our expectations box God in or keep him out. Another illustration of this is back in the Old Testament. I love Old Testament illustrations. It's in 2 Kings, and Elisha was this awesome prophet of God, right? Mighty man of God, and there's this guy that had some leprosy. His name was Naaman. And this is found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And Naaman was told, hey, go see this mighty man of God. It's going to be awesome. And because this leprosy stuff, it was literally like uh, a zombie, right? Like flesh. right? Just Um, It wasn't that bad yet on him. Um, However, lepers at the time had to go out of the city like don't touch them. They're horrible people. Like it was a really bad thing if this leprosy started to spread. And so he was a top dog in the kingdom. And so they're like, oh my goodness, we got to get him healed. Go send him to Elisha. And so he's like, he shows up on his horse and he's like walking out. And before he even gets to Elisha, Elisha like sends a messenger out and tells him, he's like, hey, why don't you go wash in the Jordan River over there seven times and then you'll be healed. That seems pretty simple, right? Simple instructions. Okay, go to water in the Jordan, wash, bloop, 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 dunk yourself, and then get out. Pretty simple stuff. Except for that just seems too easy, right? You ever feel like sometimes following God feels too easy? You're like, no, I feel like it's very hard all the time. Maybe that's because you're making it hard. I'll get to that in a second. So, Naaman, this is how I react. This is how I react when God's like, hey, I th- just do this. No, 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 God. You don't understand. Naaman was furious. It says this in verse 11. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out because, right, he just sent the messenger. And I thought he would stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Or not the, uh, I, again, I'm going to butcher, Ab Aba, Abba, Abba, right? And far, 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 that's a weird word that just came out of my mouth. I don't think that's actually how you say that. But that's fun. Far, far. I mean, you said char char peaks, right? Um, the rivers of Damascus. We'll just cut to that. This is why I don't preach on Sunday mornings. People would eat me alive. You do not know how to say those words. All right? The rivers of Damascus. Better. Aren't those rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in rage. He was like, listen, that Jordan is nasty. He's like, ugh, right? We got some awesome rivers. Why don't you just go back and why couldn't I just do that? If I'm going to come all this way, you best be respecting me to show up and do some of your voodoo waving your hand over and pray to God and get rid of this stuff. Don't just go tell me to dunk myself. What the heck? Come on. And so often he was like, this is too easy right? Sometimes I like to overcomplicate God, right? I always like a challenge. I I want something to challenge me. I want something to be like, yeah, let's do this. It's going to be so impossible. No one says it It can ever be done. It can't be done. It's got to be crazy. Let's do it, right? And God's like, what are you talking about? I I simply, you said you wanted to make a difference. I said, go talk to that person. No, 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 no. I'm going to get like the biggest platform ever, and then I'm going to invite millions to come, no, no, I just want you to talk to the clerk that's checking you out right now. No, that's way too easy, God. Sometimes God's saying, You want to make a difference in your school? You want to see your school turned over in revival? You want to see your neighborhood turned over in revival? Your teams turned over in revival. Why don't you just go talk to the kid that doesn't talk to anybody? Why don't you go talk to the person that really is, is a loner? Um, is kind of the person that really doesn't want to be talked to, is kind of the quiet one at the lunch table. Why don't you just go talk to them? No, 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 I got to get the popular kid. I got to get the, the jock. I got to get that person. And then they're going to influence everyone else. No, how about you just go talk to that person? Uh, they're awkward. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we like to overcomplicate things. We make following God into this difficult mess of do's and don'ts and do's, do's, and don'ts. And then all of a sudden, we feel like when he talks to us, it's too simple. Verse 13 says this. But his servant, Naaman's servant, approached him and said, "Um, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? So, So Naaman went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy. And he was clean. This guy just needed to do the simple, the silly task. You just need to do the simple task. And how often does God ask us to do something silly or simple? Talk to somebody who you don't know at a a soccer game or at a football game. I don't really, I don't know. Talk to the person that's checking you out at Walmart or standing next to you at the gas pump. Right? Pray for a student during the day. Talk to the grocery clerk. Give respect to someone who really isn't respectable. I'm not going to give respect. I'm not going to be nice to them. You know what kind of a jerk they are? Please, I'm not going to do that. So often, our expectations can cause us to miss out on a miracle. So often, our expectations of what we feel like, no, we got to do this, we got to do this, can cause us to miss out on a simple miracle, just like Naaman. No, no, that's too easy. Can't do that. Okay. So here's the thing. How do we sanctify, how do we make holy our expectations, those hopes that we have? God, I want to change the world. God, I want to be used by you. God, this guy up here, Pastor Donnie, keeps talking about how I'm, I'm here with a purpose. I'm not here by accident or happenstance. I, I, I want to believe that. I want to feel like what I do is meaningful, but man, where do I even start? I feel like that's just too big of a task. And God's saying, I want you to do the simple things well. So often we want to do these great big things, but God says, I want you to do the small things with excellence. I want you to hold the door for that old lady behind you with excellence. I want you to smile to the person in the hall with excellence. I want you not to gossip with excellence. No, oh, that doesn't really matter. Those things are too small. Those, those aren't that big of a deal. No, he wants you to do the small things with excellence. We need to do the small things So God can do the big things in and through us. So how do we sanctify our expectations? Number one, begin the day in prayer. Already you guys are like, this is too easy. This is like the churchy answer, Donnie. Right? Begin the day in prayer. Psalm 5, verse 1 through 3, it says this, Give ear to my words, O Lord. This is David talking. Give heed to my sign. Listen to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you, I pray, O oh Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you, catch this, and watch. I plead my case to you and watch. It's talking about expectation there. Here's, anyone like science at all? Like, or anatomy at all? Okay, so uh, if you don't, sorry, you're going you're gonna to get learned something here real fast. Everyone take your hand, right or left hand, and put it uh, on your neck, touching the back of your skull right there, like between your neck and your head, that skull part, right? Right? So what you are touching right there is this really cool word called the reticular activating system. You can put your hands down now. Reticular activating system. And you know what that little thing back there does? It, It chooses what you focus on. Hmm. How many of you can tell me how many different birds you saw today as you drove in? No one. Don't raise your hand. Because you could guess, and you might be close, but you don't know. How many of you can actually tell me how many lawns did you pass that were cut or uncut? You're like, I, don't, I what. Why? Because you don't notice those things. Because this little, uh, little thing in the back of your head chooses what, what is important to focus on and what's not. Oh, I need to focus on the road, right? Oh, I need to focus on this text, right? It chooses what you focus on. There's a study, and I thought about doing it, but uh, I decided not to. There's this study. Um, you should look it up. called Invisible Gorilla. I was going to do it, but then Lauren, like, totally blew it out of the water. I'm like, well... Everyone else is gonna do it too, uh, probably. Um, so we, it, what it was was it was people. And now that I'm telling you it, you're totally gonna see it. They did this thing where they would throw a basketball. People in white shirts and people in black shirts. And there were six of them. And they'd throw a basketball around. And uh, a crowd was told count how many times that the white or that the people in the sh- in the white shirts threw the basketball, passed the ball. And so you watched and watched and watched and watched. And then at the end, they're like, 16. And then the guy would be like, all right, who noticed the gorilla? They're like, what gorilla? Because in the middle of it, there would be a guy in a monkey suit that comes in the middle goes, uh, and just walks out. And you watch this video, and you, now that you know, you'll see it right away. And it's like, there's a gorilla. But did you realize that over half the people didn't see the gorilla? Because they were simply concentrating on pass one, pass two. Past three and past four. It chooses what you focus on. So, what are you focusing on? Now, I want you to know this prayer helps you notice what God wants you to notice. When you begin your day in prayer, it helps you notice what God wants you to notice. Because you can tell me until you're blue in the face that, yeah, God set up all these opportunities. And I can tell you all the time, hey, you have tons of opportunities every day to be used by God. But until you start to focus on that, you're never going to see them. Now, Donnie, you have no idea. When would I have ever, like... shared the love of Jesus in my day. I went, I walked to school, and then I got to school, and then I went to class, I had a pop quiz, and I did this, and this, and then all of a sudden you can name off everything of what you did focus on, but when you begin the day in prayer, it helps, prayer helps focus you on what God wants you to focus on. God, would you help me to see the people that are unseen, to see the people that I need to love on the most. And all of a sudden, you're going to start to see opportunities like that. There is a, this, I talk about this a lot just because it actually just happened. So that's why I I try to share it. I try to share experiences that actually just happened with me. So uh, again, hiking on the Half Dome. And, and my thing when I go hiking is always God would you use me? God would you show me something new? God I want to be used by you and so while I was hiking I was walking and I was walking and it was all cool and all great and then there was this guy that had, um, he was like sitting down and something wrong with his feet and I'm like oh that's crazy okay and so I keep walking and walking and walking and then, uh, and then we stopped and, and how you, when you walk on trails like you stop and other people pass you and then they stop up there and so you, then you pass them and so we stopped and they came back up and And I realized that the guy was still messing with his feet, and so we were like, what's up? He's like, well, I just bought these new hiking boots, and he's a mile into an eight-mile hike, which means he's uh, about an hour into a six-hour hike, and uh, he goes, both of the soles had fallen off, like, completely. Like, it was like one of those, just, whoop, just popped off, both of them. He's a mile in, and he can't go back because the bus has left already. The only way he can go is to continue the hike for the next six miles. The only way. And he has now no soles. Uh, he's just going to be basically walking barefoot. And this stuff is crazy because it's all rocky and, and there's no way. And it was just like him and his wife, and we're just like, that stinks. Oh, um, he's like, yeah. He tried to, like, tie a shoelace around it and do it all this stuff, and And thankfully, uh, my wife, who's awesome, was like, hey, why don't you take uh, this emergency kit with you Uh, when I was packing? I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take this one. I think it'll be great. Um, And in that emergency kit, there was medical tape. And I was like, hey, why don't you try this medical tape? Oh, I don't think it'll hold. I was like, hey... It's the best I got right now, so why don't you try it anyways? He's like, okay. And so he started wrapping it and wrapping it and wrapping it and wrapping it and wrapping it. He got it. He's like, hey, I think it it might work. I was like, okay, awesome. And so, you know, we took off, and then they, you know, they started following. And a couple hours later, we saw him. Hey, how's it holding up? He's like, it's actually doing pretty good. They're actually staying on, and the tape hasn't ripped, even though we've gone over all this stuff. And so it's great. I was like, oh, sweet, cool. And so we kept walking, and then uh, we camped, and the next day, Dad and I were walking, and then there's this, we were going up the half dome and we came back down and on our way down there's this girl ah, ah, and there's this guy was like oh my goodness what's wrong how can i oh my right i love you baby right and it's like i was like hey you guys okay and he's like she's cramping and i'm like oh her is her quad cramping yeah i'm like well she probably should get on the." Oh, no no just, we just don't know what to do i'm trying to tell you what to do no i just we just need help i'm like okay i was like well Again, in this handy dandy medical, I felt like it was like Dora's backpack or something, like whoop, um, just out of everything. Um, I was like, I have this, I have this ice pack. Now, normally, I wouldn't recommend this for a cramp. Oh, you know, I'd, I'd suggest doing this. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll take it. And so they took it, and they actually, she sat down and she she got, uh, she started to relax and started to release or whatnot. Sort of. I kind of gave it to him. I was like. Okay, here it is. And I just walked off. I was like, I don't know what to do. And so uh, we walked off. And then the next day, uh, we we're in another part of this national park here, uh, even an hour away. And lo and behold, that guy with the, uh, with the horrible soulless shoes uh, came. And he's like, hey. Hey. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you're alive. You made it. He's like, yeah, man, that was awesome. Uh, the, your tape actually lasted the entire six hours uh, that it took. I was like, really, that little tiny white medical tape? He's like, yeah, it was crazy. And his wife was like, man, it was such a godsend. What a savior you were on that thing. And I just thought instantly about our, what we preached the week, the Wednesday before I left, about how we need to do the small things so that God can do the big things. And we don't always know what God's going to do. And all of a sudden, it hit me like a ton of bricks that, God, you helped me stay focused on something so that you could be glorified in this. Because we we talked a little bit about God at that point, and then we were like, yeah, God's really cool, and it's awesome. I'm really glad you're safe and all that stuff. And then we left. Um, I, I felt bad because I did help him, and he was a Michigan guy. But I still, you know, I was like, I still need to talk to him. Um, so, um, so, But it was one of these things that all of a sudden... I want you to know that prayer helps focus you on what God wants you to focus on, because otherwise you will miss the opportunities in school. You say you want to make a difference in your neighborhood, in your teams, and and everywhere you go, you better start your days with prayer to help focus you on what God wants you to focus on. I know it seems simple, but it's true. Second thing is this, get into God's Word. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, take captive every thought. Here's Here's the reality. His word upgrades your expectations. His word upgrades your expectations. I want you to catch this. Either your circumstances conform to your theology, or your theology conforms to your circumstances. Now, some of you that just went, but let me tell you something that is super, super powerful. Because when we allow circumstances to dictate our theology and our belief of who God is, we could go down a dark road. Well, you know, I guess it's just God's will that I'm going to be lonely and depressed and I won't ever figure anything out. I guess it's just God's will that no one's ever going to be my friend. I guess it's just God's will that I'm uh, I'm a D average student. I guess it's just God's will, you know. No, 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 no. It's not God's will that you're always going to be sick, that you're always going to be alone, that you're always going to have issues trying to think or struggle with uh, some mental thing or struggle with some physical thing or struggle with whatever it is or uh, thinking about depression or thinking about cutting or looking at porn. It's not God's will for you to be always stuck in the same routine. I guess it's just God's will that I'm just going to suffer my whole life. Please don't talk to me like that, all right? You don't know suffering, first of all. But I want you to start realizing that God has put you here for a reason. And you need to start telling your circumstances about God and your circumstances need to conform to your theology. Yeah, okay, I feel depressed, and yeah, I feel frustrated right now, but you know what, my God is greater, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. You know what, he said that I'm above and not beneath. He says that he has plans for me and not against me. He says that he goes before me. He says that every foot, every place that I set my foot, I walk in his favor. That's the kind of stuff you need to start telling yourself. You know what, instead of starting to say, well, I guess this is just my lot in life, you need to start talking back to that thought life, and start Start saying, you know what, my God is able to do exceedingly more than I could ever hope for, dream of, or imagine, so you know what, just back up Satan, don't mess with this, right, you need to start telling your body, you know what, he was, he uh, bore those stripes for my infirmities, I'm not called to be sick, I'm called to walk in health and perfect wholeness, that he formed me together perfectly in my mother's womb, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And we gotta start talking back and we gotta start saying some things. We gotta get God's word up in us so that our circumstances can start conforming to our theology and who our God is. I love how this one author put it, it says, You know what? Start telling your mountains about God instead of telling God about your mountains. God, this mountain is so big, it's so large, it's so in the way. And God's like, I told you to cast it into the sea. Yeah, but can you just do it, please? You know, in James, it actually talks about this. It says, you rebuke the devil and he will flee. It's a command to us that we are called to fight to get into the battle, that we need to speak to those mountains, those mountains of doubt, those mountains of fear, those mountains of frustration. Don't live by logic. Live by faith. Don't give up on the miracle that God wants to do in your life. And so if you don't have a way of getting God's word into you, we have Devo books uh, that go through the month. And man, I encourage you on your way out at the Welcome Center, pick one up. Get God's word up in you because that's the only way that you're going to uh, succeed in this life is by having God's word and standing on his rock-solid truth. Third thing is this. Find, and this is going to sound funny, find an expectancy partner. Find an expectancy partner. What is that? It's like an accountability partner, but it's a friend that can be like Jesus that says, hey, how's that going for you? You, you're, you want to do something for Jesus, but you're doing it all on your own, and you're not really seeing or, or believing God for you. You're, you're thinking that you need to get into the pool, but you're not thinking that there's any other way for God to heal you. How's that working out for you? You need to find somebody that can can keep you accountable. Stop seeking answers start seeking jesus that's the kind of people that we need to have around us and try to find people that say hey i understand you got a lot going on you got a lot of issues and i would love to answer all of your questions but i think the thing is that you need to stop seeking the answers and start seeking jesus you know i had this time earlier um i think it was last week actually um, and I was sitting, and, and uh, Austin comes in, and he kind of interns with me, and, and we go up, and sometimes we pray, and, and all of a sudden, I just felt this conviction, because sometimes you get in these prayer things, and you're like, yeah, I don't know what to pray for anymore. Like, I feel like I have prayed this one thing to death, and it's like, blah right? And sometimes you just need to bask in some worship, and you just need to seek Jesus, God, would you just answer this? I just need to get an A on this. I just want to be the best student ever. I just want to be the best uh, daughter ever or, or son ever. I just want to be the best girlfriend or boyfriend. I just need this. I just need this. I just need this. I just need this. Would you just show up? Come on, God. Come on. Would you do this? Would you do this? And we forget to seek Jesus. God, you're awesome. And for nothing else, if you do nothing else in my life, I just need to remember that. Stop seeking Jesus. Or stop seeking the answer. Start seeking Jesus. Whoops. Stop seeking the answers, start seeking Jesus. And you need to find an expectancy partner that can help you do just that. And the fourth and final thing is this, and if the team can come back up, is don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. Ephesians 3, verse 20 through 21, and I've quoted this every single time, this series. Now to him, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine To him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Just because God isn't doing what you want or how you want it done doesn't mean that he isn't working. It might not be what you expect. It might not be how you thought it was going to happen. But God wants to do something powerful in your life. So don't give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. So tonight we're going to go back into some worship. Thanks again for listening to this message from Reality Student Ministries. Our hope is that you've learned a little bit more of who God is and who he has called you to be. For information on how you can get connected to our student ministry, be sure to check us out online at reality.painesvilleag.com or like our Facebook page at RSM. Now get out there and have an incredible day.